Man, yeah, yeah, praise God. All right, I realize some people have different styles of music they like, uh, and I get all that, but if you can't sing that song right there and get a little bit rattled, <laughs> something ain't right, you know what I mean? That's amazing, praise God, he is good, isn't he? He's so good, I love y'all, so great to be here. If you're in middle school, you're supposed to go back there with Miss Jennifer back there in the back, and she's going to escort you down. To have a time together. Yes. And Juliet, who's my favorite. She thinks I'm younger than her mama. So she's amazing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I want to read a scripture to you. Let's see what God has to say to us this morning. Get right into it. We do have a couple baptisms we're going to do at the end of the service, so stay with us. It's going to be awesome. We did a couple in the other service, and God is good. You ready? This is found in the book of James, chapter 5. Are any of you suffering hardships? I want you to answer if you are. Yeah. Good. There's less in this service, so you guys must be doing it right. Or you didn't listen, or you're not awake yet because the cafe wasn't open. So let's try that again. Are any of you suffering hardships? Yes. Well, good. There's not too many. That's awesome. You should pray. That's God's word right there, you know. Are any of you suffering hardships? Question, you should pray. So you're given some direction in God's word, right? Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. We were just doing that. Yeah. We don't need you to do it now. Thank you. And I'm not. I was doing it with y'all, so that's better for everybody. So, but yeah, I'm happy. God is good, isn't he? All right. You know, you can be happy and still go through hardships, right? So I am happy, but I do have hardships. There's difficulties in my life, and there's stuff that's going on all the time. But God's Word tells us if you're going through that stuff, you need to pray. If things are good and you're celebrating that happiness, so we're talking about an emotional happiness, which goes and comes and goes. You know, sometimes hardships can affect your happiness, not your joy, but your happiness. You know, so we sing and praise and celebrate. Are any of you sick? Good. You shouldn't be here if you were sick, all right? So, but there are people sick, and they're watching online where you're supposed to be. So thank you for watching online and staying home and keeping us all healthy, all right? For some reason, we needed COVID to teach us that. I don't know why, but people still came out and they were sick. I mean, I told you before, I think I've never needed any immunity shots, never have, because y'all are doing it for me. People come up and shake my hand or give me hugs. I've been sick all week, Pastor Dave. Like, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I've been feeling terrible. I don't feel right. Yeah, all right. Anyway, I'm all, I'm maxed out on everything. I'm good. So it says if you're sick, listen to the word of God. It already gave us this direction. We weren't paying attention, but listen. All right, any of you sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. So we're supposed to come to you. You're not supposed to come to us when you're sick. Just a little thought. Anyway, we won't go off on that because y'all are doing good. You should call for the elders of church to come and pray over you, anointing with you with oil in the name of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? So sometimes I have to explain to people when they say, you know, I need prayer or something. I was like, well, I'm going to anoint you with oil. And God's word says for us to do this, okay? So we're going to do that as we pray over you. We anoint you with oil. It's God's word. Listen to what it says now as we go into this. We're going to step into this further in the scriptures, but pausing for a moment. Because in this body of Christ, so we had the earlier service, it's a packed house, and uh, it's, it's, it seems like we have more and more people in the 915 service, and you guys look like we're growing here too, it's awesome. So keep it up. I can't wait for this, this one to be packed as well. Um, as we do this though, see, it tells us that there's a variety of things happening all at the same time through the body of Christ, right? So there's people who are going through hardships, some people are happy they're not going through it, some people are at home sick, all that kind of stuff is happening all the time. So there are people in a variety of spaces at the same time, but we serve the same God, and he has the answer to every one of us wherever we are in that spectrum of life. And so when we do this, what's awesome about it is how God speaks his word to where we are. Throughout the message, God's word, as we share it with you, a variety of people will come up to me and tell me how God spoke to them in the message and they felt like I was speaking directly to them. And they know it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. They say that, but you know what I mean. So it's like multiple people will think, it's like, hey, do you live at my house? No, but God does. You know, I'm not listening on your conversation. God is. 
So he knows exactly what's happening, where you are. And then he's like talking to me and saying, you need to say this. I don't know why. I'm just saying it. But God knows what he's doing. He's amazing. And as you look in the word, he's already given us some direction about some specifics about life. Man, if you're going through hardships, pray. I mean, stop trying to figure it out, fix everything, work out your problems, stop and pray. I mean, God's going to be able to do it, not you anyway, right? Okay, keep fighting it. You're fine. All right, so we'll learn eventually that we've got to stop and pray and that God's the one that's going to take care of this for us. But as long as we try and get in there and fix it for him, we're going to continue with the hardships and we're going to have a hard time being happy, but we'll move on. So there's a lot of stuff going down. And God knows exactly where we are, and he's ready to meet us and deal with each of us right where we are. Are you ready to let God deal with you right where you are? Amen. He's awesome, isn't he? I am so excited that he is ready to do this. Whatever it is you're facing, he's able. He's more than able. So we're gathered together here, and we're here to help each other in our situations as well. So we have to be aware of what God is up to in our midst and the things that are going on around us. So we continue reading here in James. And if you're wondering if we're ever going to make it through the chapter, we are. Just relax. So we're reading in James 5.15 now, which is the very next verse. So after we've been given the directions in that area of what to do, and we have our call to anoint with oil, it says this, Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. Pausing there because we kind of combine that. But if you'll notice, there's a comma after the sick. And the Lord will make you well. So it's something beyond your physical we're talking about here. God's talking about making us well. Healing us whole. Making us all together better. And most of us, well I won't say that. Let me backtrack on that. I don't mean most of us. But sometimes we need way more healing deeper than the sickness. And the, the healing that God wants to give us is to make us well. And so God is the only one that can do that in many of our situations. Only God. So as we look at the Word of God then, He's saying such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, the Lord will make you well, and if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. That's an incredible statement right there. Throughout my life as a Christian, as I've read this scripture, I'm like, you know, a little bit, I'm challenged with this every time I read it. I want you to know. Because as I look at what God's word says about being saved and forgiven of sin and all that kind of stuff, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I do know, if you read the Gospels, that some of the people Jesus healed, he said to them, go and sin no more or a worse thing will come upon you, right? So obviously their affliction came about because of their sin. Not all sickness is caused by sin. This is where a lot of people get confused and stuff, but obviously some sickness is caused by sin in our lives. Okay? Now he's saying when we have this kind of prayer, when we come to God in faith, when we're anointing with oil, and there's a prayer of faith being offered up, God does move, heals, and forgives sin. He is incredible. Now, I don't know how he does all that. Because he's God and I'm not. But he does it because his word says so. And I believe it. I believe God's word. And so if God says it, we've got to accept it. So remember that as we read the next part now. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Oh, so it's not all on God now. You know, he's all powerful God that it can do anything. But see, there's something to this. There's a hinge point here. This hinge point of the healing says that we need to confess our sin. Oh God, please forgive me. Oh, I'm ready. Heal me. Now he's like, you know, we got to own up to this. And this is told to us here in the scripture to confess it to each other. Now I'm not going to ask you to confess to the people sitting next to you so you don't have to like fake cough and walk out the door or something, you know, just relax. <laughs> then you're going to be like, maybe I am sick. I no, anyway. All right. <laughs> but I mean, in reality, the word of God says that we're just confess this to one another, right? Some of us are struggling with 
an addiction to sin in our life, and we've not owned up to it enough to even tell anyone else about it, and we struggle within ourselves, and we talk to God, and we just stay in this limbo state of unforgiveness, and it's time to own it. Many people have confessed to me their addiction to pornography. Pray with them, and I step into some things with them to give them some tools to help them to be free. And once they step into that arena, it's not long and they're free. See, church, I, I'm, not, I'm just telling you there's truth in this. They're not confessing, asking me to forgive them. They're confessing they have a sin in their life that needs something more than their ability, right? So now we've taken that step to expose this and allow God to do something in the healing arena. Because the only way we're addicted to pornography or anything else that's going on in our life is because we have a brokenness that is causing us to sin in that area. And therefore, God wants to heal wholly. And he does. He's amazing. God is so good, church. All right. got quiet and everybody's nervous because I said the word pornography. But that's not what the message is about. Would you just relax? It's a real problem out there. I'm using that as an illustration for us to understand that there has to be ownership of the sin and confession of it so that God can do something. All right? Let's, let's move on so we don't get stuck. So confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Isn't that awesome? Church, listen to what God just said to us. Earnest prayer, righteous person, great power, amazing results. See, if we want to like own only little parts of these verses, like, you know, just come on up. I'm going to anoint you. You're going to be fine. Go on home. But we got to look at all of it. Because when we look at what God actually says to us right here, he tells us there is no doubt power in prayer, right? We all agree with that. There is power in prayer. However, it's not just prayer. Uh, I mean this respectfully when I do this, okay? So don't like, freak out or anything. But as a little kid, and you're like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of power in that prayer. If there is, it says, if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take, right? That's kind of a freaky prayer to teach a kid, but whatever. Uh, I was hearing a comedian talk about it. I'm like, dude, that is crazy because I had that prayer said to me when I was a kid, you know? No wonder I laid there with the covers like this, scared to death all the time. I thought I was dying. But anyway, let's look at what God says here. So it's like an earnest prayer of a righteous person, right? So it's not just a prayer. And it's just not anybody winging one out there to God in space. Hey, man upstairs, we want you to do something, and we're praying to you, so produce. No. It says, an earnest prayer of a righteous person. So you know what the word earnest in the English language says? Showing sincere and intense conviction. That's the meaning of that word. Showing sincere and intense conviction. So now think about it. He says, the earnest prayer, the sincere and intense convicted prayer has power to do amazing things. Oh, we left one part out, though. The person offering it is supposed to be righteous. <laughs> I mean, according to God's word, remember? See, the pray e is to be a righteous person. Well, Maybe we're uncovering why it seems like so many prayers go on unanswered. Maybe we're not seeing healing in the church across the world like we should because we're really not reading the context of what God's saying to us. And we're maybe just throwing stuff out there saying, God, you got to do this because you said so. But what he says to us is, hey, we've got to have some real relationship with him. We have to be convicted and believe earnestly that God is a God who will do what he says. That he is God and he's all-powerful and there is nothing he can do, can't do, right? We were singing about it in our songs. We're talking about how amazing he is and all that. We believe that and the word of God's like, okay, then let's own it and let's step into it. 
So as we look at this, it's about being real with ourselves, being real with those around us, obedience in my life to the Lord so that I can live a righteous life with God, time of confession, being real with Him, with others around me, being a real Christian. That's what we're talking about here. But we're not done reading. And like I said, I'm watching the clock. We have time for everything. So just to stay with me and let's listen to what God's Word says here in James 5, 17 and 18 now because it's very cool. Because we were just talking about this sequence of prayer, the power of God, what God can do. So James gives us an illustration. The Holy Spirit does through James. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Three and a half years, church. When he prayed earnestly. Oh, there's that word again. He was a human being, and he prayed a prayer just like you and I. So, you know, let's, let's see what else he says here now. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. So, excuse me, this one man of God said a prayer, no rain, for three and a half years. That's crazy. So sometimes when we read the Bible, we can see Bible characters and see them as super spiritual, and we kind of put them at a different level with God than you and I are. And that's why the Word of God talks to us right here and brings Elijah to our level. The Word of God says he's as human as me and you. That means he woke up and needed coffee in the morning, right? He's as human as you and I. That means there was days he woke up when he felt like garbage. There were days he, didn't, he wasn't able to come to church because he was sick. There was days that he was happy. There were days that he had hardships. He was a human being. And we have to remember that as we read the Word of God, that these are human beings. However, this human being believed God, and he believed God's Word. So church, we're reminded here, and given this example of the Old Testament prophet saying he was just a human, but God moved when he prayed. So we're going to look at that story going back into James' reference in 1 Kings. So you can read all of that story in the book of 1 Kings uh, when you do this on your own time later. Um, but I want us to look at something because when we look back into this story, there's a reason why it's brought up to us about prayer, and I believe there's something critical for you and I to learn from our own prayer life and what we see in this reference. When you go back into 1 Kings chapter 16, you'll know that Ahab became king of Israel, and he was a wicked dude, and he married Jezebel, and while most people don't know who Ahab is, they know who Jezebel is. She was a wicked king. Y'all know her? Okay, ladies, I'm not going to ask why you know her, but I'm just going to say, <laughs> yes, anyway, we'll leave that alone. Ahab was married, that was a joke, was married to Jezebel, and together they reigned over Israel very wickedly. I want you to hear what God has to say in his word about Ahab, okay? This is just about, he had things to say about Jezebel as well, but listen. This is 1 Kings 16.33. He, meaning Ahab, did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. He was wicked. He was so bad. What he did was he took and let go of the temple of God and all the things about God, the altar of God and all that, and he built up altars for Baal and Asherah, which were the false gods of the heathen lands. And those were, like most false gods and false teachings, had to do with fleshly appetites, and it had to do with a lot of perversion and sexuality and orgies and prostitution and all kinds of garbage that's going on, which the enemy always appeals to the flesh in the cloak of faith. And so he set this up for the people to worship Baal and Asherah, rejecting God and just turning completely to the darks, darkness. And so he was one evil guy, and the Word of God says so. Now, it's important for us to see that because now Elijah steps forward. And as we read in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, 
By the way, God's not okay with evil rulers, and he deals with them, so just let God deal with them. Here, listen to what it says. Therefore, Elijah came to confront Ahab as a result of his sin and disobedience to God. Now Elijah, who was from Tishba and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now church, as we consider that, I want us to see this incredible statement of faith made by the man of God. So I know a lot of you are maybe desert uh, natives, so you don't even know what dew is, but when you live in places that have moisture in the mornings, like it's, you can walk outside and there's grass on the ground, and it's wet, and it didn't rain. It's like this amazing thing God does where he waters the earth without rain, and that's dew. Now, you don't know what that is. That happens in other places. And so, like, this man of God has the boldness in his faith as he states this. There won't be any dew or rain. In other words, there's going to be zero moisture, dude, until I say so, and it's going to be a few years. That's pretty awesome stuff right there. But I want you to hear how the man of God speaks the word of God. He did not put a date on it. He didn't like say from June 1st till three and a half years from now, it's going to be none of it. No, I'm always skeptical of any self-proclaimed prophet that puts a date on stuff. I am. And you should be too. Okay. As he speaks this word from God, he says, it's not going to happen till I say so, but it's going to be a few years. You know why? Because God knew how evil Ahab was. He knew how he would try and do everything he could to not real, just come to the realization that God was God. And it was going to take a while. None of us are very patient. Well, maybe some of you are. I'm not real patient. And uh, I know that I want God to do stuff pretty quickly. And as the message comes, it's going to be a few years. It's like, okay, let's do this thing, right? I, I want to and, and just give props to Elijah the man of God, for speaking such an incredibly powerful, bold statement. He is coming to a powerful king and telling him, hey dude, I serve the real God, you don't. Not going to rain or do until I say so. It's going to be a few years, I'm out. Right? I mean, that's pretty bold stuff right there. This dude required some obedience, Right? But it came about because he surrendered to God, trusted him, and then he was obedient. It did. God said it. He believed it. Then he took action. So he goes to this guy and he makes this statement to him. Now, as we see this, Elijah, remember what we read in James. It says, Elijah was as human as you and I. So I'm going to put Dave in this equation for just a minute. I'm not projecting this on Elijah. I'm just saying he was human. But God said some things to me. You know, I talked about this last week, how it's promptings, and I know it's God. And he's asking me to do certain things or be in a certain place in a certain time. I'm not, not to say there's going to be no rain, but I'm saying, you know, for Dave, this thing that God's asking me. And as I'm going to do it, there's this little voice inside of me like, that was God, right? That was God. That was God. Yes, that was God. Yes, that was God. I know that was you, God. Was that you, God? You know, all that's going on inside, but I know it was him. You know, so I'm, I'm putting myself in Elijah's space and thinking of what's going on in my mind and myself and my little sweaty palms as I step up to the king and like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I serve the real God. You don't. It's not going to rain. I'm out leaving. And like, do you know how you feel in your stomach? But he just pushed through, man. He did it. He was human, just like me and you. He was obedient to God. I love that. We've just got to be obedient to God. Forget about how you feel, the insecurities, the sweatiness, the nerve. Man, if God says it, accept it and believe him, man. He's God. He's amazing. So I look at that, and I'm like, man, Elijah had no special powers. He didn't. He had no abilities within himself. He simply had faith in the God who said it, and that he believed that God would do it because he said it. And I love that. Church, we serve an amazing God who can do anything. He is incredible. So now as we step into this story, a lot of stuff transpires over the three and a half years. Ahab wants Elijah dead. He knows who's the problem. 
He knows why there's no rain. It's not falling. There is no dew. There's a famine in the land. There, is no, there are no crops. They're going through hardships. He knows it's because Elijah said no rain. And so he puts a warrant out for him. They search everywhere for him. God hides him. God's amazing. It's going on. So all these things are happening. All of a sudden, God's time comes. Three and a half years later. A few years, three and a half years later, God's time. Elijah doesn't go do it on his own. He waits and God says something. And here it is, 1 Kings 18, verses 1 and 2. Later on, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So I just want you to hear this because, again, surrender, trust, obey. Elijah knows there's a warrant out for him that Ahab wants him front and center because he's going to kill him. And now God says, I want you to go and confront him. Go right over there. He's going to be right there. You go see him right now and you tell him. God says, rain's coming. So he does. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. I love his obedience. There was an order. And so here it is, an order of the king for death, an order for God to go do it. You see how that surrender of self has to happen every time for God to be able to do God's stuff? We have to get out of his way. We have to truly be surrendered to him for him to do stuff. And that's why in the word of God, we're told that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and amazing things happen. So a confrontation occurs. And Ahab is there and he's like, hey, you're the one. You've caused all this evil. Elijah's not even backing down a bit. He says, no, it's you. You're the evil one. And God's here to do something about it. You ready to have a showdown? Elijah challenges the king and says, we're going to have a showdown about who God really is. You go call all of your prophets of Baal and Asherah and bring them over here to me. And we're going to find out who God is. As a matter of fact, bring everybody out of Israel out to the mountain and let's have a showdown about who God is. I love it, man. I, I think God's amazing and I just love when he does this stuff. So the prophets of Asherah don't show up. I don't, we're not told why, but they don't come. But the prophets of Baal do and there's 450 of them. So they come here and here's the deal. Elijah calls everybody out there and he tells everyone, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have two altars and two sacrifices. They're going to sacrifice to their God. I'm going to sacrifice to God. And whoever answers by fire, that'll be the real God. You guys can do your thing and I'll do my thing. And let's see who shows up. Let's read about it. And Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, you go first. Or many of you, choose one of the bulls, prepare it. Call in the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called in the name of Baal from morning until noontime. Did you get that, church? From morning until noontime. We'll just, we'll just cut some slack and just say, let's just say they met at 9 a.m. Now it's noon. Some of you call 9 o'clock morning, right? All right. So we're just going to say that this service has been three hours so far. And these guys are calling out to a false god to send fire. Three hours. The Christian church today, an hour and 15 minutes, and you know what? I got reservations at, this should be over. But anyway, here's what we see in the Word of God. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed on the altar. Then they called in the name of Baal from morning until noon, shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us! But there was no reply of any kind. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Can't answer. He isn't a god. Church, listen to the word of God. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. Isn't that cool? I love how God's word declares stuff and just shows us things. So they're dancing. That's the way I dance. I just hobble. That's why I don't dance, and you're welcome. But I'm like, it's hilarious, because I can just see this happening over there. 450 of them yelling out. So that's pretty loud. That's more than we had in church today. So like 450 of them are yelling to Baal, 
And all of them are doing their little jig and dance around and all this stuff's going on. And they're around that altar. And it's about, there's three hours of this junk's going on. And this is what God's word says right here. Listen to it. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. Thank you, Jesus. I love that. Because I have that kind of a sense of humor. So if you ever look for a verse to back that up, here you go. All right. So he says, about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed. For surely he is a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming or he's relieving himself. <laughs> or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be wakened. I love it, man. He's just like, hey, he already knew there was going to be no fire. There's no God. And so he's like making fun of them and saying, look, you can do all you want. It ain't happening. So listen to their response. So they shouted louder. <laughs> so they obviously they heard him. I'm like, well, we're going to, maybe he is asleep. Maybe he is in the restroom. I'll have to call a little louder and see if he's going to come out and do something. So they shouted louder. And following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until that time of the evening sacrifice. You realize how long this has been going on now, church? Did you hear that? It started in the morning. They were going till noon. They didn't like get worn out and go home. They got louder and more intense than what they were doing, more determined than ever that Baal was going to answer all the way till evening. I'm going to grant you evening at 3 o'clock. Starting at 9, noon, and 3. I'm just, I'm giving us some cushion here, Right? I'm just saying, like, for six hours, at least, these people are praying and crying and dancing and hobbling and cutting and bleeding and yelling and shouting and saying, fire, 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 fire. Nothing. I'm just saying, like, man, there's some, in, there's some intense devotion in wrong places all around. It's crazy how determined people can be for falseness. And how timid we in the church can be for truth. You know, I love the word of God right here. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, and no response. Church, I mean, I'm going to look into that spiritual element of things beyond the human vision. This is Dave now. I'm not talking scripture. Stay with me for a second. I 100% believe with all my heart the devil would have tried everything he could to have fire start up in that place. He's the deceiver. He's the one that's the author of false faith. He's the one that is appealing to the flesh. You don't think he wanted fire to come? Absolutely he did. And God's like, there's going to be no fire. And there was no fire. That's our God. So as we look at that, it says there was no sound, no reply, no response. I guarantee you it was the stillest it's ever been for the whole time they were doing their thing. God is God, man. And he's like, no. Let's see what comes next. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They've heard all the nonsense. He's like, come here. Everybody come close. Huddle around. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. Church, I'm going I'm to just bring something out right here, and we're going to move along. But you see, he wanted them to have a visual of him building that altar and seeing nothing is going on here that is fake or I'm not doing anything that you can't see. Complete transparency. Stay here and watch me build this altar. There's no hidden fire. There's no coals down here. There's nothing there. What I'm doing is building God's altar back. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. Remember, there's no water, right? Remember, there's not, no rain for three and a half years. He's like, this is how confident I am in God. You got a little bit of water with you? Dump it. After they'd done this, he said, now do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. See, I, 
I love God. He's so amazing when he does this stuff because he's like, I want no doubt in their minds. There is no fire in this altar. It cannot be there. And if you thought there was, there's water, there's water, there's water. Now listen to what it says. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. Can be no doubt that God's up to something. At the usual time for the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he prayed. Here's his prayer, guys. You ready? Oh, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all of this at your command. Oh, Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it even licked up all the water in the altar trench. Church, this is our God. When God does something, he makes an impact. Do you see what's going on here? There's no doubt. It's like, bam, it's gone. Vanished with the fire of God. He consumed the whole thing. He's like, he's God and there is no other. This was an immediate response to the prayer of faith. Now look at it. Listen, this is the very next verse. Let's, we're going to read this again for you right real quick. Ready? And when, the, when all the people saw it, They fell face down on the ground and they cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord, He is God. There was this showdown right here that happened where He's God and there is no other. And God proved Himself. An immediate answer to prayer. Coming from who? A righteous man who lived and believed God and took Him at His word. And fire falls from heaven in front of everyone. Church, we serve an, an amazingly all-powerful God. You do know that, right? I mean, I'm reading this. I'm like, God, you are so incredible. And these types of occurrences that happen in our walk with God make our faith soar, and we just feel like we can just speak to mountains and they'll be leveled, right? I mean, I hope that you've had experiences like this. I don't mean calling fire from heaven, but an unmistakable God moving according to your faith in prayer where God shows up and does his thing. I've had those things happen in my life, and I can tell you how impacting they are. Personally, it's like in that moment, I mean, it's like God is so real. My faith is like absolute, no doubt. feel like you're just walking above the ground, and He is. Now, church, as I think about this, we need to listen to God's Word here. Because when we do these things and we have that kind of confidence um, and God's doing stuff, we just can't do anything else but know that it's God, right? But let's remember something now. There's a reason why we took this little journey on our little reading of scriptures and where we've come from. Because when we read in the book of James, James didn't say, Elijah was a man like you and I and prayed and fire came from heaven. He didn't say that. He said he prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't for three and a half years, and then he prayed, and it did. So James is referencing, it's the Holy Spirit through James. You you know that. But he's referencing the rain and not the fire. And I was like thinking about that as I was reading and processing all these things about prayer and faith and all that. And as you think about it, I mean, in our flesh, we'd be talking about the fire, wouldn't we? (laughs) I mean, like, Boom, God did it. Hey, God, do your thing. Bam, he does it. I want everybody to know that. That's amazing. But the prayer is about the rain. So here it is. God does his thing. We're going to read in, in 1 Kings 18. Listen to what's happening now. Let's continue in the story. Then Elijah says to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Isn't that cool? It's been three and a half years with no rain. And he's like, I hear something. Something's stirring. Church, I want you to know that God's up to something. God is up to something. I hear it. I don't see it yet. I don't know what it's going to be when it gets here, but God's up to something. 
Church, I hear God moving. Listen to it, church, because when we read the word of God, he's like, hey, there's a mighty rainstorm coming. He's like, hey, it's not going to be a little drizzle today and a little more tomorrow. Something amazing is about to happen. You better get home and get prepared. This is what the prophet of God says to the king. Go home, man. Something big's happening. So we move on. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of the Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. I find this very significant and and crazy here. Now think about it. The first prayer that came fire from heaven, it tells us that he walked up to the altar. Doesn't say he bowed. No, he boldly proclaimed because everybody was out there. This was a public prayer. And he was like, oh God, all these people need to know. You're God. Do it. Bam. Happens. Now it's time for rain. He goes off by himself. Now he's alone. There's no crowd. There's no altar. All along with God in the mountain. His face down between his knees. He's got his place of humility before Almighty God. He says to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. And the servant went out and looked. Then he returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. (laughs) Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Okay. (laughs) Definitely need a time out right here, right? This is the same guy, righteous man of God, Submitted to God, surrendered, trusting, obedient to what God says. He just immediately called fire down from heaven. I read his prayer with a little little stopwatch. Less than 20 seconds. The prayer was less than 20 seconds. Oh God, boom, fire falls. Just like that. Now we have that same God, same day, all alone saying, Okay, God, send the rain. Nothing. Okay, God, send the rain. Nothing. Oh, God, please send the rain. (laughs) Nothing. What's going on in here, church? You hear me? Are we listening to what God's word tells us? Now I think we're getting a little bit of a clue why James referenced the rain and not the fire. Servants like blue skies, nothing. Lord, I'm asking for rain, (laughs) nothing. So church, we're going to step back to his original prayer by the altar for a second and hear what Elijah said. What he said was, in his prayer, I've done all of this at your command. Right? So everything Elijah was doing was something God had told him to do. So obviously God had told him, send everyone away, the rain's coming, and you go talk to me. I'm not reading between the lines. He made that statement. Everything that I have done has all been done at your command. So here he is up on the mountain asking for rain and it's not coming. What happens to our faith when we're praying and there's nothing but blue skies when we're asking for rain? This is a man of God, remember? It wasn't Elijah's plan. It was God's plan. Therefore, it's always in God's time. God immediately answered with fire. That was God's time. He didn't immediately answer with rain. Still God's time. And Elijah didn't say, I asked for rain. It's going to come. I believe it. I'm heading to town. Nope. He persisted in his prayer. Right? I think we read something about that in James. You know, about that, oh, conviction, that persistence, that belief. He's like, God, I I know you're going to do this. Let's just keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying seven times. (laughs) 
You know what I love about God's word again? It speaks so directly to us. Listen to what the word says, the very next verse. Finally. <laughs> I feel that way a lot of times when God does what he does. Finally. <laughs> Finally. The seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. How are you feeling when that's the answer to your prayer? We're asking for monsoon, Lord. There it is. <laughs> the size of a man's hand. It's like, dude, how'd you even see that out there? It's that big. All right, well, here's your answer. Seven times, and there's God's answer. Like, I've had a few of those answers. <laughs> now listen, it's, I love this. You ready? This is the coolest thing. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry! Hurry to Ahab and tell him, Climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Isn't that awesome? Dude, you talk about faith? There's that cloud right there. He's like, you better get out of here. You're not going to make it home if you don't leave now. Man, you talk about a powerful God. He's going to make a monsoon happen out of a cloud that big. He didn't care. He's like, God is up to something because God said he was up to something, and I believe him. Therefore, God can produce a monsoon rain out of a cloud that big. God is God, man, and we got to get a hold of that. We can't be discouraged when we see it as a little cloud like that. If God produced that cloud, God will produce the rain. Man, God's good, isn't he? Praise God. Yeah, man. Praise the Lord. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And as <laughs> This is so cool. And, and soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Isn't that awesome? God was doing something amazing. He didn't just bring a little drizzle. He didn't like bring dew on the ground. It was a heavy wind and a terrific rainstorm. It's, this is the way God works, right? Our God is above all gods, church. He is all-powerful God. And when God says something, he can do it, and he will. We have to have confidence in what God says, and our prayers need to embrace God where he is and what he says. So how are our prayers when the answer seems like it's not even there, and when it shows up, it's only that big? Where's our faith? So church, as we consider this, here's the thing I believe happens across the church. And please forgive me, I'm not saying this to you, I'm saying this as I've processed prayer and the miracles of God and things, I look and I'm like, man, we have so like cheapened our prayers and our claims to God's promises. We just say, hey, God, you're supposed to do this because your word says you promised to do it, and therefore we have you with your arm behind your back, and we're like, do it. But there's so much to us about our life, our righteousness, our earnest convictions to believe God, and only, like church, don't forget this. Everything he did was according to what God said, not what he wanted God to do or what he told God to do, but it was actually what God said. And I think sometimes that we in the church have grabbed a hold of specific verses that we like, and then we've proclaimed them to God and tell him, this is what you've said, now you need to act. Right? I mean, have you heard that? Church, that happens all the time. Instead of stepping back and letting God speak what he wants to speak, and then us embracing what he says, not what we want him to say. And therefore, our faith can engage with what God says, not what we think he says, want him to say, or what anyone else says he says. When Elijah, all this stuff went down was all because God said so. Where is your faith in what God has said? If it's black and white God, then it's black and white done. It doesn't matter what we think, feel, or experience in the moment. He's God, and he's going to do it. So how's your prayer life? Is it earnest? Are you living righteous? Not in the eyes of people, 
in the eyes of God where it matters. See, when we look at the Word of God and it's talking about our prayer life and how powerful things happen, amazing stuff goes down in human beings talking with God, it's because we're engaging God where He has asked us to engage Him at. The way He is and the way He's called us to be, that's where powerful things happen. And so I'm like, man, God, I need a complete like, remake of my prayer life. Is your prayer life producing fire and rain? There will be moments of immediate answers. They're rare. No way to know that. Well, maybe not for you, but they are for me. Usually God wants me to look in the sky a few times because he knows how impatient I am. And so if he answers immediately, I expect him to answer immediately all the time because that's, that would be amazing. <laughs> but I'd be like a spoiled kid too. And he's like, yeah, just go look over there for a while and then I'll show you a little thing like this and then maybe you'll be okay. Yeah, it's like, you know, is it producing fire and rain, church? Let's see what God says to us. I mean, what's happening, friends? First off, do you even know Jesus as your personal Savior? If you don't know him, you need to. Because you see, God's not just out there like, to perform for you. He's telling you, you need me. All right? And you need me now. And so the first step to anything is the sinner's prayer. Like, I need you, God. He hears that prayer every time. And he always immediately answers. That prayer, he will always immediately answer. When you ask forgiveness and him to come into your life, it happens. After that, not so much. <laughs> Let's get that one answered this morning if you need it, okay? He's good. He's amazing. And if you just need to come talk to him, the altar's open. We're going to do baptism in a second, but I also want to give you opportunity uh, to spend some time with God. We had a lot of people come to the altar in the first, not that I'm I'm just letting you know, it's, the baptism will be fine. We're going to do it. But we do not want to just kind of talk over things and just like send you on your way. If the Holy Spirit's calling you to pray, please come forward. If he's convicting you, talking to you, encouraging, whatever he's doing, if he's telling you to come forward, man, do it. Do whatever God says. Act in obedience to the Spirit right now. Okay? Uh, those of you that are going to be baptized, if you would slide right over there to your uh, place. And we're going to take care of you in just a moment. Thank you, Jesus.